Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is Delivering Smiles Every Time, a case study. And 1-800-Flowers.com is an international player in gifting. And they wanted to offer a world-class experience uh, because they have uh, very demanding customers. So to that end, they, of course, tried to utilize the retail technology that's available and try to put it to innovative views. But it also required some changes or fundamental rethinking about their processes perhaps remove some of the siloed thinking across business areas and then also work on their culture, organizational culture. So how did Arnie and his business counterparts come together, brought their business user community and their technology teams together to do what they were supposed to do and actually ended up building an organization which delivers smiles every time? So uh, to that, uh, and we have Arnie Leap, who is the Chief Information Officer. Who is, Hi, Sanjay. Uh, hey, how are you? How are you? Uh, how's everything going for you? Oh, pretty good. You know, it's a busy time of year. It's uh, end of January. We're heading into one of our larger floral holidays on Valentine's Day. So we're we're very busy making sure that um, everything's set to go and to support the business and support the holiday appropriately. And, of course, the end game is to make sure that we deliver smiles every time. Doesn't it look cool to be able to work towards this business goal, right, which is very humanized versus some sterile stakeholder or shareholder value, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, um, great experience, the ability to be an extension to our customers' uh, intentions, and, and expressional gift giving is a, is very fulfilling. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Uh, it also puts a little extra pressure on making sure we do the right thing all the time according to our customers. Um, but, you know, that's, that's part of our DNA. We want to make sure that um, we're constantly making sure that we're delivering smiles every time. Great. So, so let's start from the very uh, inception. What, what kicked this off? What prompted your organization to get on this uh, transformation journey, given that you may already be doing some of it to figure out uh, what the customer wants and how to incrementally tweak your process, etc. But what prompted you to go to the transformation route, fundamental take a step back and, and revamp the whole thing? Sure, I mean, it's a great question, and and there's we could spend hours discussing and debating over what what were the right points, what were the triggers, but the the main points that we believed in is what we started to observe four or five years ago is is how quickly uh, the market that we serve was changing, and the frequency of that change. Um, mobile is a is a huge influence to to the retail markets. Um, people are more busy; they they don't have as much time. Everything is always time sensitive. The ability to pop up our our website within our applications on our mobile mobile platforms uh, presents a new opportunity to to transact or connect with us appropriately in in a far less time and certainly more efficient manner. Um, the, some of the challenges with that is is that if your customers are moving that fast, your business processes also need to be receptive to that high frequency of change and, and adaptability. Um, and so over over many years, like any any company, we develop practices in place to support our, our customers' needs. And you know, it's time from from time to time, you do actually need to really take a hard look and see how you're going to transform into the next generation of what we're doing. And I think that the pivotal role there uh, or pivotal contributor was around uh, the mobile environments and how rapidly that's been changing in the marketplace. Um, so 
what we saw was marketplace changes occurring in, in far less amounts of time than in the past, meaning less than a year cycle, half a, half a year, six year, six month type of scenarios where all of a sudden, um, you know, expectations start to change where your your expectation as a consumer is based on your last best experience that you had. And that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on all retailers and anybody conducting e-commerce um, in a, in a spot, it puts them in a spot that they really need to be reactive in a positive way to their customer base. And so, you know, our customers give us give us permission to do things, and and we pay very close attention to that. And uh, innovation is just one core component to our DNA. And what we want to do is to make sure we iterate rapidly. So the first set of things that we had to do is, is really change the way we approached requirements gathering and, and how that works and, and what was driving our development cycles. Uh, we, we invest a tremendous amount on an annualized basis in, our, in technology, both in current, current applications plus, plus what we think the, the future may actually um, provide to us. So we needed to start changing the way our teams were organized. About four years ago, we started this journey, maybe three years ago at this point, certainly in that time frame where we wanted to change and structure the way the business was communicating requirements to the technology group and how the technology group was prioritizing those requirements. We engaged our business partners in that process. We created a concept called journey teams. And basically what that does is put a product owner, which is a business person, at the lead along with a technical lead. Um, those two individuals get paired up and then drive a development, development team specific to certain components within the journey of our e-commerce platform. So one, could, one team could be focused on checkout, one team could be focused on customer acquisition, one team can be focused on retention. And the objective there is, is that you know, commerce, commerce can get quite complicated. And so we have developed these uh, teams of expertise in some very specific areas of our, of our experience that allows them to be somewhat autonomous in the decision-making as to what's the very best next requirement that we should implement related to their area of focus. And that was implemented. Those teams started getting put together in, in about two and a half years ago, um, and we were on a release cycle schedule of roughly once a month, maybe once every six weeks, we were releasing product um, out to our customers um, those journey teams now, as autonomous as they are, we could literally release software every four hours if we wanted to. And so that creates that environment where you get the creative juices stirring. You get the teams um, productively standing up on their toes, collaborating and trying to solve our customers' problems or our customers' new requirements that come up. And we can do that and iterate on that incredibly rapidly. So it's been incredibly positive for us in that transformation. It's not easy. It's been two and a half years. But we can honestly sit back today and say that um, we can release software every four hours if we chose to do so. So definitely something triggered at your end where you were able to get these people to come together. Something was a common vision, something which charts them up. Can we map it back or let's take it back to what the consumer incrementally or disruptively started wanting, which you were not delivering earlier or were unable to deliver earlier, or maybe you were not delivering to the extent you were supposed to deliver, which became not only a good thing for everyone to follow, but also became the very business case which got you the funding and the blessings from the management. What were those? Sure. That's a great question, Sanjay. We, um, I would say one of the pivotal um, uh, situations um, had to do with um, we, were, we are innovators at heart. 
So technology is something that was always in the forefront of our minds. And so when we start playing on those edges, we get to see things a little bit earlier than others that don't play quite as close to the edge on technology as we do. And we, there were indicators that were showing very clearly, and in public information as well over the course of the last five years, that transactionally commerce transactions were, were leaning towards mobile devices and heading away from desktop devices. And so you, you sort of have to be where your customer wants to be. And the, the general sentiment over the course of the last five years is, is that commerce, e-commerce traffic is going much more towards mobile devices in very uncommon times, meaning the following, the, 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 the time of day that certain uh, transactions are taking place on a desktop are very different than the times that we were seeing the transactions taking place on a mobile device. For example, and we, I classify mobile devices as tablets as well, we see an increased use of tablets from 8.30 at night until about 11 p.m. And part of the reason is, is people sitting on their couch, they're not, they don't want their laptop or their desktop, they don't want to sit at their computer per se, and they just want to poke around on a tablet device. Or the mobile devices, what we're seeing is, certainly in urban areas, we're seeing higher levels of transactions that are taking place between 7.30 in the morning and 8.45 in the morning. Why? Because they're sitting on a train or they're in the middle of their commute and they have an opportunity to actually poke around on the site. With that starts to come a series of measurements and tracking capability that we sort of looked at and said, okay, why? You know, what is the behavioral patterns and why? And so empirical data for us is incredibly important combined with our innovative approaches and technology being at the core of what we do um, has sort of pinpointed and said, hey, you know, focus, continue to focus on your, your mobile investments. You're not going to, you won't be steered wrong. Um, and, you know, and mobile is a very different category of device than, than a desktop, and the behavioral patterns are very different. Uh, also keep in mind over the last five to ten years on the mobile platform, your demographic of use and who's actually using a mobile device as their preferred preference over a desktop is, is fascinating. Um, and the, the wonderful thing about all of that is this data doesn't lie, and it sort of gives us these empirical references as to where and why our customers are shopping and, and, and invoking the behavior that they are. Um, so it's important to us to be where our customers want to be, provide the best possible service and capabilities at that time, offering the, the widest variety of gifting products across the gifting spectrum. And that's, you know, that's our equation for success is, is that we see when you engage with our ecosystem, whether it be uh, desktop, tablet, or mobile, we want to make sure you have the best experience. And so we invest in those areas. We invest in, in, in those areas in a way um, that, you know, from time to time we know that we're going to be doing a maybe slightly off-center project. It's more of a science project. We want to test into the market, see what's going on, making sure that we have certain assumptions right as we continue to roll forward. We have 14 to 15 brands in our portfolio at this point, so the idea is is that not all brands are considered equal, not all customer bases are considered equal. So we have wonderful opportunities to test market on certain brands versus others to provide contrast in the reporting of that data. So, um, you know, we have very strong teams. We have strong merchants. We have strong business leaders and marketing leaders that, you know, with that empirical data really puts a very powerful uh, process and program together as to how we want to go to market. So could you, like, suppose you, you mentioned that the customers want to go mobile and it's actually a, a global trend. And I'm sure any, so, so what you are trying to do is to give them an experience across devices and as personalized as possible, which again is supposed to be a global trend. Were you able to take specific problem areas or specific gaps, do some initiatives carry them out, execute them well, and then map it back to an actual ROI 
as a result of yeah. what you did or was it a blanket let's go mobile let's go uh, transformational let's go digital and then have an aggregate roi and that will mean success what 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 approach <laughs> did you take yeah i mean that, that's again great question and and i would probably answer it this way I would just say yes to all what you've asked. So, you know, in the beginning, we need to go mobile. That was a general directive that says, hey, you know, 15, 10, 10 to 15 years ago, we need to go mobile. Why? Because there's a mobile device that actually allows you to browse the Internet. Okay, so we need to get involved in that. I don't know what we're going to do with it, but we need to get involved. Because of that early adoption in, in that technology at that moment in time, allows us and gives us the license and liberty to do the things that we're doing today. So now we have much more finite business cases around features and functions in mobile than just generally saying, all right, well, we need to be in mobile. That decision was made 15 years ago. Now we refine it. And here's a perfect example. And you read, you, people read this all the time, but the, what we've seen is, is it's pretty clear, right? Um, speed on mobile is a direct correlation to the, to the successful improvements to your conversion rate. So in the e-commerce world, with conversion, uh, number of sessions uh, divided by number of orders, gives you this wonderful conversion ratio that tells you how well you're doing at, from an efficiency standpoint. And day over day, year over year comps, and sort of gives you a really good trajectory and, and measurement. So we know directly if we shave... 100 milliseconds off of our response times, we're going to positively improve our conversion rate. And we see that day in and day out. When our conversion rate suffers a little bit, we may have had a little bit of a slower response time in our microservices layer or some kind of volume or promotional code that wasn't um, converting correctly that we need to go take a look at. And and more or less, over time, um, conversion rate dips are directly correlated to response time and capabilities of the systems. So one of the areas that we absolutely know that we get a really decent ROI on is, is anything that we can do to speed up the speed up the performance and increase the reliability of the platform, whether or not that, that's mobile or desktop. But we certainly see it magnified on the mobile side. So if you take if your average response time on a page is eight, nine hundred mils, and you can take another eight, another hundred mils off, and your average is now seven or eight hundred mils, you, you're going to see an increase in a positive way on your on your conversion rate, which in turn directly correlates to a better experience for the customer and the end user. And that's you know always a primary focus is making sure they have a, a wonderful experience. And, you know, we deploy certain tools to keep track of sessions and whether or not, you know, they're frustrating sessions versus non-frustrated sessions. We keep a metric on that to make sure that we understand that, you know, the funnel, the, the, the conversion funnel is actually working the way we'd expect it to, that our marketing programs and our customer outreach is doing what it needs to do, the reinforcement of all of that is incredibly important, and in most cases, like you asked, does tie back and correlate directly to business cases and return on investment as they are truly math equations at that point. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. So, only when we come back, let's talk about those specific collaborations that you had with your business unit leaders, because I'm sure you tried very hard to make sure you give them the support by either automating processes, whether introducing intelligence in managing those processes, or the very sheer performance, which is reducing the number of milliseconds uh, in terms of the transaction time. But what was business looking for and uh, those business unit leaders looking for? Where did they change their approach to how they were taking on a process and executing on it? And where did your team step up? Let's discuss Great. this more Sounds when good. we come back. We'll stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global 
Each week on CTN, CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, listeners. So, Arnie, when these changes that you brought about in terms of the performance improvement, that's of course, is very important, and that's expected out of IT. Now, living this dream for all parties involved means business unit leaders, the specific business process owners must have also taken a step back and thought through on what we should do differently for 1-800-Flowers.com to deliver smiles every time, which means they may have thought about the experience or specific new, more or different that they would do when dealing with customers in context of either the problems they have or giving them the wow effect because not every time the customer knows what they need. Let's talk about those areas for a second. Sure. And then see how um, you attached IT to help support those initiatives. Yeah, San- Sanjay, your 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 um your summary is very good. So far, we've really focused on you know some really strong tenants on the technology side, which was basically, you know, how do we improve performance and reliability, and shaving a hundred milliseconds off of one function to another o- over time is incredibly valuable. And the way that's valuable to the business is it gives them license and capability to introduce new things over time without being penalized over the response time in general, right? So if our pages are not re- not performing well in, in the first place, then it becomes incredibly hard to add anything more or anything new to the pages until we get to a point where we're all comfortable that the platform is performing well. So creating the currency to allow the business to introduce new things is transformed or transitioned in the form of of performance and reliability. With the reliability and the capabilities that we've introduced, we can add a bunch of different things and features and functions over time and, and some that we've already started to do. So everybody's looking at the holy grail of personalization. The business wants to get involved in making sure that we properly connect with our with our customers to help them deliver smiles to their loved ones. And there's no better way to do that than to be a little bit more personalized than just coming to a website and browsing products and trying to figure out what you need to do for the anniversary gift or for that birthday gift for that special one in your in your life. And so what we do is is we we give those opportunities to the business and say, okay, here's what we've done, this is why we've done it. Here's some of the things that you, you know we've heard you say or that you're thinking about features and function wise and and so how do we do that? So one of the big areas that you know and it seems kind of silly, but it's an important one because we had the ability to have this, this the site perform at the levels that it could. We have something called guided navigation. Guided navigation is a feature and function that was introduced to the platform that allows you to we ask the customer up front if you haven't logged in yet, so you're still anonymous to our platform, you know, if you're going to deliver a gift on what zip code are you delivering the gift to, and then more importantly, what date would you like that product or, or, or gift to be delivered? Under those two very simple questions and capabilities and those answers, we can then present products and capability to the customer that we absolutely know and can guarantee that we're going to deliver the smile and meet meet or exceed your expectations. And if you step back for a minute and think about some of the things that have to be done in order to make that work, we have to know about inventories. We need to know about what methods of delivery based on the delivery date. We need to understand what product, what part of the country we're dealing with. There's a bunch of calculations that go into that that are incredibly technically 
um, uh, burdened, and the idea is, is the faster we can deliver those answers, it gives the flexibility to the business partners to drive more personalization over time. So once we get past guided nav and we get a series of products in front of you that we think are going to meet your expectations based on your delivery date, we can start delivering other personalized influencers, um, such as if you've logged into our site so we know who you are, we know certain certain things about you, uh, what your prior purchases for one, prior occasions that you may have been shopping for. And we can correlate that to the time of year that we're currently capturing this session. And if we can drive some level of personalization, we do. And we do that in a way that it's not super creepy. We want to make sure that our customers are comfortable with what we're doing because they're asking us to extend their virtues by delivering gifts on their behalf to their loved ones. So we we approach this thing in very um, very subtle ways at times. In other ways, we try to be disruptive. But it really does come back to those basic tenets of performance. If we're not performing well, it doesn't give us any option to do anything but to perform well. And so we can start to take for granted that we do a pretty good job of running and and we're optimized and efficient, which then drives and fuels the creativity of our very creative business partners within our teams. And so across our brands, you know, from 1-800-Flowers to Harry and David to Cheryl's Cookies, Sherry's Berries, and more, we have an ability to really fundamentally deliver gifts at a different level in a different way than most. And we do that by allowing our business partners to, to be incredibly creative and not very shackled to the platforms that we develop. So we, we iterate, you know, we go, let's go back to that journey team and, and how do we allow the business to control what goes on and what gets into the system next? Well, they're the, the product owners are business team members. They're usually from the marketing departments and they drive the requirements as to what they want to do next, what they're seeing in the marketplace, what their competitors are doing, why their competitors are doing it, what they're successful at, what they're not successful at. They start to whittle that down into... Uh, an appropriate set of stories within a within a sprint within our agile framework, and we start delivering those those capabilities in rapid fashion uh, and it allows us to iterate in a very quick and expedited way. The beauty of of quick iteration and allowing the cu- allowing the business to to iterate through and test into is that they can do a lot of tests in a very short period of time. They can figure out what works, what doesn't work, why the trend now versus the trend later. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're, we get into a, a, a series of different um, capabilities and discussions because we do some of the basic things so well. Now, all these things that you did, I'm sure when it really gained momentum, things were going well. When you get started with any of these areas with almost spilling plates for every business unit leader and also your technology team, everyone would, or some people might roll their eyes, other people will be taken aback. We already have a spilling plate. Why are you putting more on this? Did you have a compelling story because of which they said, no problem, bring it on, we will sing Kumbaya. <laughs> no problem, bring it on. I mean, that's, that's great. Um, I, I would say eight out of ten times or 80% of the time, we can, we can literally say that, um, where we have a tremendous amount of um, capabilities, meaning the ability by the senior management team and, and our leadership to literally say, hey, we want to invest in that. We want to make sure that we don't have too many inhibitors in that process. We want that creative side. We want to make sure that that's the case. And then there's, you know, 20% of the time where we really do need to make, to make sure everything is sort of square and plumb and there's no, there's no leaks in the plumbing and we're sort of getting the platform where it needs to be in order to satisfy the demand for a holiday. Um, the idea is, is there is always give and take, but what we're providing is this environment that allows the creativity to really blossom. Um, we have, we, we love A-B testing. 
we're constantly doing A-B testing. We did some testing on uh, our passport program about three years ago, Passport. The Celebrations Passport program is like Amazon Prime, so it's free shipping um, across our brands, our, our brands, our family of brands. And so with that one, that was more of a senior decision. All right, well, we should really go to market and we should try to, try to um, have our customers be repeat customers. And how do we help facilitate that? One way to do that is, is to have this Amazon Prime-like or what we refer to as Celebrations Passport. The Passport offering allows a customer to use our services for a year and have unlimited gifts uh, with free shipping. And the idea is, is, you know, we needed to be able to roll that out in a pretty quick way and making sure that we had some flexibility on promotions and how that works and how each of the brands would bring the Passport program to uh, their customer base. And so that had to get rolled out pretty quickly. And in the process of doing that, we wanted to make sure we kept the brands somewhat agnostic to the functionality, allowing them to continue to be creative in their approach to presenting that message to their customer base. Because each of the brands, the customer base is slightly different, different demographics because it's a different brand. They just offer a different um, part of the spectrum of our family of products. So, you know, rolling that out and getting that square was, was, was important across the board. And then you have individual projects. You have Harry and David, which is one of our, our main brands uh, that we acquired back in 2014. Um, we, we folded them into the portfolio and they had some very specific and distinct things. They have a wonderful catalog business that they still support. And, and e-commerce and catalog is an interesting marriage between the two. And there's some wonderful things that we've helped them automate, uh, something called a gift list uh, that allows their customers to come in, log into the system, and look at the things that uh, they may have purchased as gifts last holiday season, providing them a capability to send that same group of people another gift next year. And so that's an area of focus that was predominantly for Harry and David that was not necessarily for our other brands. This past year, we tested into one or two of our other brands and what the gift list function was going to be able to provide. And the objective there was is that the platform already supported it. This was just a matter of A-B testing into the marketplace to see whether or not those specific brands' customers, primary customers, were interested in that type of functionality. Uh, I can say with, with reasonable doubt, that there was no issues with rolling it out. The A-B testing went well, um, and I think it's something that will stay in the portfolio on a go-forward basis and probably roll out to the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the brands. Creating options, creating that the, uh, iterative approach is fundamental to everything that we do, which leads to the success of the business overall. So, you know, for the most part, you had people come on board, as your last response indicates, that people were charged up because of the very vision. That was very inspiring, and that's why most people stepped up. What all you had to do differently in the way you started allocating projects to your people and or the way you and your team started interacting with your business users and business unit leaders for this initiative, to take roots and really blossom them. What did yeah, you do I've, differently? It, it was different, and it was, I'm chuckling because it was a very interesting path, and, uh, and the transformation was kind of fascinating in the end. Um, <clears throat> traditional requirements. Your customer gives you requirements. The technology group says, okay, these are all the requirements. Let me go figure out what the plan is. We'll go develop it and we'll release the software, we'll go through some user acceptance tests, and we'll roll that, that platform out on your behalf. Um, with more than a dozen brands in the portfolio, we have more than what I would consider the technology group has more than a dozen customers. We don't have one voice. We have more than 12 voices. And so when requirements come in, they're not necessarily enterprise-wide or systematic-wide requirements. They're usually brand-specific, 
for some set of things that they want to do to test into some market or whatever they're doing with their customers that doesn't necessarily play well with the other brands. So you can imagine sitting there like any other traditional technology tech shop would do, and we'd sit there and try to figure out, here's the 400 requirements we have. We've got to figure out which ones are going to generate the most amount of revenue opportunity, which ones are going to be good for the customer experience, which ones are going to be good just for foundational elements within the platform. And this is what we've got to do in order to keep moving things forward. And, you know, we present that back over a couple of weeks, and we say, here's the priority and here's the plan. And nobody's happy. Nobody gets what they want. Nobody gets everything that they want. Some people are questioning, why is that that particular brand getting more focused than this particular brand? And, you know, it has to do with timing and holidays and, and rollouts and, and team and, you know, all of those traditional things, all of that's true. When you have multiple customers with a common product, it makes it kind of challenging over time. Well, we flipped that upside down. This was the whole thing with the journey teams. We put the product owners, which are business people, representing the brands from a marketing point of view, as to the features and functions they want to add to the, to the platform. If they're in charge of the features and functions to the platform, they're also in charge with the prioritization of when those features and functions go into the platform. The technology group doesn't really say much as it relates to the prioritization. Once the prioritization is firmed up for at least the next two sprints, meaning four weeks or so, we will run those prioritization lists accordingly and actually go do the development as portrayed by that priority list set forth by the product owner. What started to happen very quickly was that the marketing teams had to start having a more higher-level marketing council type of thing where they all sat in a room and then actually had to hash out all of the priorities that was related to all the features and functions that they wanted. Technology was no longer involved in the prioritization process. It was a wonderful thing that we could actually sit back and say, hey, when you guys figure that out, just send us, send us the list and we'll go develop it for you. And while that was... That's still to this day 80, 85% true. We still have some influence on priority based on uh, system, system changes, platform changes, and other things, but the majority of that prioritization is outside the technology group. And so we just sit back and wait for those requirements to come in. And it's an interesting and fascinating thing to watch when people have to wear the shoe on the other foot. And it was really incredible to see the transformation but more importantly, the absolute ma- uh, maturity and tr- transparency that was introduced in the environment, where now everybody was collaborating and working together and realizing that, you know, wow, the other side is, is not that easy. This is actually kind of difficult. And the same thing with the technology group. We sort of sat there and said, well, you know, based on this, we can be a little bit more efficient. And then all of a sudden, we started adding value into the marketing council that says, hey, if you do these three things in this order, we can be more efficient. And in the process of being more efficient, we can get more done in the same time frame. And it really knocked down some of those traditional barriers as far as prioritization because the business owned the priority. And that was, that was, that was a beautiful thing to watch and see it transform. And now I... I am of a firm belief that we are more transparent and more collaborative now than we've ever been, which is, is kudos to and in support of the fact that we can turn um, a release in four hours now. We can literally get people in a room, sit down, decide that this is important, put the story up on the board, have a developer actually go make the change, and have operations actually release the code in about four hours. And in all honesty, Sanjog, we did that four or five times in the month of December alone, and we believe those actions on those four or five events was yielded more than half a million dollars in additional revenue. That's great. So let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we do come back, let's talk further into the pitfalls 
that you encountered. One is, of course, there are revelations naturally, but another is could could be where you thought something will work the way you thought it would, but it did not. Or there were certain assumptions that were made that did not uh, come true or, or the, the, you, you were outrightly uh, incorrect in making those assumptions. So essentially what we are saying is people learn from the learnings of others. How about we learning right. from you? So That's please right. stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and let Arnie share his learnings throughout the journey. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Arnie, a lot of good stories and a lot of good results. But as we know, we all learn from each other's learning. So how about you sharing yours in this journey? Sure, sure, Sanjay. Yeah, you know, we as we progress through the conversation, I mean, it's certainly important to, you know, share what we learn, how do we learn, and why, right? And what's what's some of the the takeaways on this? Um, you know, for us, um, we learn every day. Um, there are some micro examples and there's some macro examples, just certain things you're not going to do certain ever again. And then there's, you know, iterations on what we would consider continuous improvement. And, you know, you have to drive that level of culture that you have to try. Um, we can't have, we can't learn from something if we don't try. And, and that's a difficult thing in the business world. It's, it's a hard message to, to communicate to all the teams that says, hey, you know, let's, let's try that. And everybody's like, I don't want to try that because what happens if something goes wrong? That's the beauty of it going wrong is you actually get to see it and you get to understand it. And, and the technology side of this world sees that very differently than the business point, business point of the world, right? So the business side, they're responsible for the business plan. They're responsible for a certain amount of revenue in, in, in the quarters. They're responsible for a certain amount of expense in the quarters. Well, the technology group isn't responsible for revenue, but we're certainly responsible for expense. And we have to hold plan, right? That's just what you have to do. So what's challenging is, is if everything is going well, and the business is sort of doing what they need to do, and they're hitting their plan, we don't learn a lot from that. You don't learn by not being challenged. And when things aren't going well, that's when you start getting involved and saying, okay, what do we need to do? What's next? How do you address that? What's the plan? What's the mode of operation? So the continuous improvement aspects have to be um, reiterated and reinforced throughout the entire enterprise. We had, an, we had an opportunity um, to improve in, uh, I guess, first, second week of December of this year. We had an issue on the system side in, in our newer platforms. And, you know, the Christmas time of the year is not a good time to be experiencing all sorts of problems. And we had, we had a, uh, a partner that wasn't performing well. And, you know, part of design was is we needed to have them involved, and this was more of a direct link in, in, in things that we need to do. But if they were going to have a bad day, then by, by virtue of that, we were going to have a bad day. And just the way we had set up the architecture and the communications and the connectivity, we did not insulate ourselves well enough for our partners to have bad days. 
And that was the lesson that we learned from that. And we, as a team, and I say collective team because we could not have done this without the business, we sat there, opened up a war room. We had people involved. We were seeing a degradation in our conversion rate that was, was, I wouldn't say alarming, but it was certainly taking notice very early in the day. And I just happened to be on the West Coast with the West Coast team, and we, we opened, every, opened up the war room. We sat down and said, ah, okay, here's the reason. This is what's going on and why. And we started a, a, an action plan. And the, the wonderful thing about being able to iterate every four hours was exactly that. We were able to throw a, a small patch up to give ourselves another layer of insulation from our partner until our partner could figure out what was going on and also then correct the situation. <clears throat> so in that process, what we learned very clearly was is that partners are absolutely vital to our success. But ultimately, we are responsible for our own success over time and that we have to put plans together to make sure that we put our best foot forward, provide ourselves a bunch of options as it relates to engaging with partners. And so that was something that, you know, that was one of those aha moments. It's like, okay, guys, everybody pay attention to what happens here and why and what were the architectural decisions that we went through. So we have these internal processes around those failure points or those uh, non-performing points, and we call them corrective actions. And, you know, everybody talks about root cause um, analysis or RCAs or whatever, we have our own form of corrective actions, which drives our continuous improvement. And the idea here is, is that, you know, no one person made the decision to use that partner. No one person was at fault. We were given a situation where a partner was having an issue that we needed to address and overcome. And the only way to do that is to put all of our egos to the side, get in a room and try to figure out and walk it, walk it through and talk through what was going to be needed to correct the problem. So we, you know, from, from our point of view and from our business partner's point of view, we were able to walk through that only because we didn't spend any time trying to figure out who was at fault versus what we needed to do next in order to correct the situation. And those, that's a tremendous reflection on our culture. And, and I would say that that's changed over the last several years. And it does get back to the journey teams because the journey teams are involved. Everybody's directly involved. Everybody's got a little bit of skin in the game as to that one requirement that we all agreed that we needed that partner to help satisfy. And that partner wasn't performing well that day. Eventually, they straightened it out, and there hasn't been any problems since. But, you know, we sort of went through it. And in the process of going through that, we learned an awful lot about some of the decisions we made about architecture, how we wanted to make the product better going forward, how we could insulate ourselves from a, a, from a partner falling down, but then at the same time embrace the partner in such a way that we you know, reiterate our relationship with them and say, hey, going forward, this is what we did and why. You may want to communicate or make some changes on your own platform in order to, to handle this better the next time. And so it is about communication. It is about community at the end of the day. This is the ability to drive that level of innovation, corrective action, continuous improvement, driving the fact that allowing the teams to start to realize and believe in that process that, you know, hey, this is a collaborative place. This is a great, great place to, to work. Um, it is like any other place of business. There's a little bit of pressure at different times of the year. We have three holidays, three major holidays instead of one like others, and we're heading into one now. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, the, the teams have embraced the changes that senior leadership has, has put in front of them and presented to them. And the nice thing is the teams get to own it. Um, they own it. They get to set the rules. They get to dictate how and when and what things, get, what things take place. And and you can see it. You can see it in the contribution levels. You can see it in the engagement levels. And the wonderful thing about all of that is, is our customers, in the end, get a better experience and a better way to deliver their smiles to their loved ones. If you were to start this journey over, what would you do differently in terms of people, process, and technology management? 
That's a great question. What would I do? I, there's probably a million things that we could probably improve upon and, and how we would want to do that. But one specific thing that I would want to do is, is I would want to be able to address systematic transformation in a, in a more efficient manner. What do I mean by that? Through acquisition, the company has grown organically over the years, but it also has grown through acquisition. We have more than 12 brands in our portfolio. We have a bunch of platforms underneath the covers and, and the back office systems that run and operate the business. Um, the ability to be able to do the one thing over is, is to sort of transition some of those to more common platforms in a, in a more direct fashion. However, I say that with some caveats that you still have to operate the business. We still have to ship 20 million packages a year. We still have to capture $1.3 billion in revenue. There's still things that we have to do day in and day out. So as much as I would sit here and tell you that it would be great to be able to do those things over again, there is a million reasons why we couldn't have done it at the time, knowing full well that our processes that we have in place distill down that level of, of detail that allows us to be pretty confident in the decisions and the steps that we're taking. Um, I would want to, the, 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 the second point I would make is the one thing I would want to do is, is I would have accelerated uh, the training and the capabilities in my tenure here at 1-800-Flowers. I've been here just over six years. I wish I would have started the transformational journey team project when I first got here versus three years in. Uh, we were a little distracted with a couple acquisitions in the first three years. But certainly, um, I would have wanted to start it earlier only because of the positive outcomes that we're seeing and, and how well things are functioning right now. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Arnie, for sharing your organization's journey, which led everyone to be able to deliver smiles every time. Thank you. Thank you very much. And listeners, hope you enjoyed this journey. I learned a ton from this. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, that is CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn group. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>